Welcome to Christian Life Church Podcast. Please subscribe to our channel. Sometimes I forget, I forget some very simple and very powerful things and, and one of them I think in my own life, perhaps you can identify with this, I forget that God is at work night and day. Do you ever forget that? Does it ever look like you're stuck somewhere? Anybody ever been stuck somewhere? You've been asking for a breakthrough and it doesn't seem to happen. What about this? Do you ever feel that sometimes that you've missed something of the will of God? You just kind of got distracted with life maybe and maybe something's passed you by. I, I want to tell you something that perhaps is maybe a good thing to remind ourselves of. What God has for you awaits you. And you need never worry about missing his will and his purposes because the steps of the righteous are ordained of the Lord and all of his days are written in his book. All of your days are written in his book. God has a plan and he's working it out. And, and the difficulty I have with that is it probably doesn't look the way I'd like it to look. Can anybody identify with that? It doesn't happen as quickly as I'd like it to happen. Oh, God help us. Has anybody need, have, have you been praying for patience because God will keep you waiting. That's all I'm saying to you. <laughs> You know, sometimes, you know, we're saying, Lord, just give me patience. And then things just take time. They take time. And one of the things I think I want the Spirit to kind of just minister to you through this morning is this little phrase, learning to wait well. It's important for us as believers to wait well. And I don't know how you're doing on that. You may, is anybody waiting a fulfillment of a promise from God. Give me a wave if that's you. I'll come to you, Isaac, and I haven't forgotten you. Is there anybody who needs a breakthrough and God, you know, has been promising you? You can sense it's going to happen, but it hasn't quite happened yet. Anybody need a restoration? Anybody need Valium? Oh, sorry. That's, that's another meeting I attend on Thursdays. Um, <laughs> I'm just checking you're awake. I'm just checking you're awake. But we need to learn to wait well. And here's waiting badly, complaining. That's waiting badly. When you're waiting for a breakthrough or a promise to materialize, do you not find that your flesh sometimes takes over and your spirit becomes subdued? And while you may know that God will bring breakthrough, you find yourself confessing negativity and, oh God, or oh why, or oh, anybody ever whinged at Jesus? Because I know some of you have whinged at me and I'm not Jesus, so I'm just trying to help you out. <laughs> Have you ever whinged or whined? Anybody whinged or whined? Oh God, why me? Why not you? Why not you? Because we imagine that when God promises us something, it's going to happen instantly. But here's how the Holy Spirit works. He does a work in you. And that work in you is to make you ready to receive and to sustain and to steward actually what it is that the Lord wants to do. God is not asleep. He works on your behalf night and day to bring to pass the promises, the breakthroughs, the deliverances that we all need. And we just need to learn to wait well. I want to introduce you to a young man who's been waiting. A number of years have passed and perhaps his understanding of things really in recent months have come into a place that's fresh or something new has taken place in his life but he and his family have been waiting they've been waiting for the promises of God over his life to begin to come to fruition they've been praying they've been seeking they've been trying not to complain and God help us all we're not all so great at that so this is Isaac why don't you give him a welcome for me please Now, Isaac thought he was just going to get up here and say one sentence and leave. Okay, but I'm going to ask him a, a series of questions because I'm cruel. Like, I mean, I'm thorough like that. Um, come a little bit forward so they can see your good looks and hide my lack of them. Um, Isaac, you seem to be different recently. I mean, I'm not that involved in your life. You know, you don't invite me anywhere. And I can only see from afar, but I recognize something's changed. What is that? Hold it nice and close. Uh, I'd say it's my, my, my faith in God. Like, over these past few months, it's just going stronger and stronger. And, um, yeah, it's just changed my life like, for, the, for the better. And, and some of these changes, what would they look like? I mean, are you reading the Bible more? Are you finding yourself praying a little bit more? What kind of changes? Because it's easy for us to think, well, that, you know, suddenly just your heart has come alive to Jesus. But 
it feels to me like you've made some radical choices. Yeah, um, I've been, before I was like never reading my Bible really, but now I'm reading it daily, I'm praying daily, I'm dying to my flesh daily, I'm just doing all these things that I would have never done before. So these are things that you're intentionally disciplining yourself in. What is the reward of that? Because if it's just about discipline, what is the reward? What are you experiencing that makes that feel like it's worthwhile? I'd say the main thing for me is peace and feeling just peace over everything in every situation, even bad situations, just feel peace. And it's helped me hear God's voice more. Yeah. So you have this sense that your life has been smothered and covered with the love of God. And that, does that feel safe, Isaac? Yeah, it, feel, it feels, um, it just feels like I'm, I'm, I'm at, at ease, I'm at, at, in a safe place. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Yeah. So there's a wonderful security in that, isn't there? And a great sense that I think the old song would have put it this way. It is well, it is well with my soul. Um, my soul being in a place where I'm connecting with Jesus. And you, you mentioned there also, as well as that wonderful sense of peace, that you can hear God's voice a little bit more clearly. Describe to me how you hear God's voice. It's sometimes it's not directly to me. It can be through friends. It can be through my family. It can be through anything, to be honest. And it's, I've just learned to recognize that that's God speaking to me. Hmm. Isaac, do you think that prior to all of this happening, this fresh sense of God in your life, do you think God was speaking to you back then? Yeah, definitely. But I feel like because of the place I was in, I disregarded it or thought nothing of it kind of thing. But now? But now, like, it's so different. Like, I'm taking, taking it in. I'm believing every word that has been said. And, and more than that, yeah. more than that. Uh, in a word, in a minute, Isaac's going to share something the Holy Spirit has said to him um, in this new and glorious season of his life where God is speaking to him a bit more tangibly. Um, he's got something to say to us as a community. I want you to get ready for this because I want to pray into that once he said it. But, but more than just his own personal transformation and change and all that wonderful stuff that's happening, I know just that you're out on the streets sometimes. Is that because you're cool or is that because you're doing something? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm out a lot of Saturdays uh, evangelizing in the streets, just spreading the word of God. What, how old are you? I'm 18. An 18 year old young man who has experienced something fresh and wonderful in Jesus finds himself without really thinking through. Um, his reputation, perhaps, his street cred, his, all of that stuff's huge when you're young. When you get to my age, you couldn't care less. And he's standing in a little place down the road where he's bound to meet some people that he knows. I wonder why. I wonder what causes a young man to live so boldly and courageously. What is it that you are hoping will happen on Saturdays, Isaac? Um, I'm hoping just to see life transformed. People... Uh, accepting God and just giving their life to Christ and I'm just hoping to see just changes in people yeah. Yeah. and have you seen that happen have, have some people accepted Jesus yeah I've seen people accept Christ and start living for it and I've, I've seen like this one girl mm -hmm. she gave her life to Christ and then like, the next day she was texting me, just asking a bunch of questions, and I try my best to uh, answer them, but that's what, I, that's what I like to see. Yeah. So you went off to Limitless with all our young people, and um, you, whilst there, the Holy Spirit spoke to you, and, and you felt you had something you wanted to just offer the church to receive from God. Yeah. Um, what was that? It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, believe God is going to do great things in this church and it's just on us to like wake up to that and believe it 
and just praise him daily, worship him daily, and yeah, just believe in what he has said. Yeah. So there's two things there, isn't there? There's this promise from God. Did you get that? How do you feel about that church? That God is going to do great things. It would seem to me that God always does great things. And um, he's reminding us that a season is about to come where that greatness will become tangible and visible and evidential in our lives. Um, and then there was that other part, wasn't there? That we need to, what did you say? Wake up? Okay, do you think that you're asleep? I sometimes think you're asleep when I'm preaching, but I'm asking you, do, do, you, think, do you think you're asleep? Is it possible that we can fall into the trap of apathy? Is that possible? I mean, do you struggle with that? I do. Is, is it possible that we've had such a lot going on in our lives that we've become a little bit kind of tired? And, yeah? Do you think that happens? Or, or is this us living our fullest, best life? Is that, is that everything that's available? Is that present here? So it seems to me that there are two invitations here. One from God to us, and that is that we would wake up, align our hearts, adjust our thinking, maybe pray, maybe seek Him, maybe worship, all the things that Isaac has been doing himself. And that bit we can do. And then there's this other invitation, that God is going to do great things. And those great things, they can, well, they're off the scale when it's God. So I wonder, would you pray for us, Isaac? And would you stand again, church, if you want to receive the fullness of this blessing, this invitation over your heart and over your life? Um, yeah, Father, we thank you for, for today, Lord. We thank you that... I'm able to speak what you have spoken to me over the church, Lord. And I pray that we just praise your name daily. And it says in Psalm 84, 4 to 5, Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. So, Lord, I just pray that praising you isn't just a Sunday thing. It's an everyday thing. And I just pray that we can die to our flesh daily, and worship you daily. And it also says, man shall not live off on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. So I just pray this over our lives, that we can just live off what God says to us. We can put on the full armor of God, and we can just praise you, Lord, in your name. Amen. Amen. And someone's given a promise for you, you need to run somewhere now and get a Bible and read that. Is that okay? One more thing before you sit down. God is moving in our young people's lives. Um, I don't know what you want to do with that, but for me, that feels like a really significant and wonderful invitation from God for us to pray for them. I, I want to say out loud that we can't do for them what they need to do for themselves, but it would appear to me that there's a hunger, there's a thirst, there's a desire for the presence of God, but we want to stand with them, alongside them, if you like, praying for them that um, every good and perfect gift that the Father desires to give to them, they will receive. Can, can you set your heart to that this week? Would that be a good thing to do? And also remember this, that if God is working so close to you in the lives of some people, that are younger than you, don't get jealous or angry or resentful. Don't think it's passed you by. God never passes anyone by. And if you learn how to bless where there is blessing, then you are preparing yourself to receive blessing. Okay, so always be conscious of that. Rejoice with those who are rejoicing, and then you will begin rejoicing. <laughs> you will begin rejoicing too. So, Father, we just pray a blessing on our young people. Thank you for our worship team for all of these wonderful young men and women and the teenagers that are quickly growing up, Lord. I look out sometimes and I'm just overwhelmed with how good you are and what you're doing. And I feel like an old man, Father, just witnessing some great things. But Lord, let my eyes not die without seeing.
the fulfillment of all that you plan and all that you purpose for their lives. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Keep them, Lord Jesus. Cause your face to shine upon them, Lord Jesus. Be gracious to them, Lord Jesus. And if there's any splashback, could I have it too? In Jesus' precious name, amen. 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 Thank you, Isaac. Thank you. Have a seat. A young lady came to me this morning. She's moving back to London, but she couldn't wait to tell me that in her time with us here, she'd had experienced two phenomenal miracles. Do you want to know what they were? I'm not going to tell you. When she first came here, her daughter, a very newborn baby, had very severe eczema. And um, at one point, we asked people to come forward in the service and my wife Jane prayed for this little baby, and uh, what's the baby's name? Can you remember? Rose, Rose. And Rose has not had one bit of eczema since that prayer time. Isn't that good news? Isn't that good news? I knew that Rose had had eczema, and I knew that Jane had prayed for her. What I didn't know is this young lady told me that when she came to us, the very first Sunday she came to us, she had a dislocated knee. And so her kneecap actually was on the side of her knee. And, um, and she, she, the graphic detail is that she had to keep guiding it back and guiding it back. And, of course, you know, that can't be pleasant. In fact, she told me that she had to wear a caliper on her left leg. And that caliber was to keep things where they needed to be so that somehow those parts could knit together in her, her body. Um, and since she was prayed for, her knee has been in its rightful place. She's not worn the caliper once since she was prayed for. And um, right under our noses, <laughs> God is at work. Aren't you grateful for that? Now, I'm going to take probably about half an hour. Can you bear to go to one o'clock? I know you're all excited about the lionesses. <laughs> okay. But I don't think you leaving early is going to change the outcome. That's all I'm saying to you. Okay, you have to trust the Lord for that. I want to take you on this little journey. Um, I think if there was ever a time in, in our world where we needed to align our hearts and readjust our sensitivities to the invitation of Jesus when he says, come to me, all of you who are burdened and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's now. This is the season for that. In fact, I would suggest that for all of us in this room, that's an invitation that in some senses feels a little bit ambiguous because attached to that invitation, Jesus also says, and I will put my yoke upon you. That feels counterintuitive. I mean, Jesus, we wanted rest, and now you're adding something to the pressure. And of course, we can see from that invitation that what Jesus is wanting us to be yoked to is his radiance, his peace, his joy, his fullness, his blessing, his power. How do you feel about being yoked to the one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords? How do you feel about being yoked to the Prince of Peace. Wouldn't that be wonderful? What about being yoked to the one who is the joy of all joys? Being yoked to the love that never runs dry. Being yoked to the fullness and the flourishings and the blessings of a God of abundance. You see, it may look to us initially like it's a, a difficult thing that God is asking of us, but actually what he's saying to is you've submitted to and been yoked to all manner of things that have burdened you and brought you down, but yoke yourself to me, yoke yourself to my reality, to my fullness, to my blessing, to my peace, and you will live freely. For my burden is easy and my yoke is light. Isn't that what we're after? Isn't that what we're searching for? And we realize that this particular invitation had a requirement of us that needed to develop in our hearts and our minds that would be something I think of at times a feeling more like a discipline than it was a delight. But actually, as we adopt this consistent posture of coming to Him, we find ourselves being met by Him and being filled by Him and being blessed by Him. And um, 
I, I know, because I'm human, that I don't always live in that consistency. I know as a, as a man who's walked with God for 38 years that I visit that reality occasionally and sometimes uh, to my fault and to my shame. It's not the default of my life. But as you look at Jesus and his story and his life and how he lived, you will see that he constantly came back and constantly came back and constantly came back to the source of all that was good in his world, and that was the Father's love. And I wondered what it would be look like for us to live with that kind of reality, to live consistently in that dance, in that circle of coming to God. Now, coming to God is not something we do because we're praying, because actually we, 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 we should come to God in our thinking, we should come to God in our recreation, we should come to God in our family, we should come to God in every part of our life. This is not some exclusive principle for spiritual realities. The spiritual reality is that God is already in you. God lives in you by the power of His Holy Spirit. And coming to Him is this divine romance or dance, whichever you prefer, where I am drawing near to Him and He draws near to me. And I come to Him and He comes in fullness over me. And my life should be consistently in that wonderful cycle of experiencing and fulfilling the heart of God, which is that I would live fully immersed in his love, in his passion for me, in his love and delight in me. And we need to learn how to come to him. And it's not automatic as you come to church that you do this well. And it's not something that I think we should preach too heavily into because it ends up being like a burden or a task, but actually it's an invitation from the Spirit that says, come to me, draw near to me. When life is hard, when you're feeling the pressures, come to me. When you're having great times and it's all going well, come to me. When your family let you down and abuse you, come to me. When the job doesn't happen the way you thought it would, come to me, come to me, come to me, come to me. And we thought through some of those things that there are all kinds of burdens in our life. Some of us are burdened with sin. Some of us are burdened with anxiety. Some of us are burdened with fear. Some of us have been carrying so much for so long that we have no ease or peace like Isaac testified to when it comes to living in our day-to-day -day lives. So we need to come to him. And these were the three things that he was inviting us to. The first one is we're invited to live in the permanence of the Father's love. Is there anybody here who's experienced the love of God as a father? Give me a wave if that's you. You know that that needs to move from visitation to habitation. It's okay once in a while touching God in that way and experiencing God in that way, but you and I have been called to live in the permanence of the Father's love. That means I live in that love and I live from that love. And if I live in that love and I live from that love, I'm living in the reality of my truest identity because I was fashioned and formed in love, from love, and for love. How great the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should make a wretch like me not just a disciple but his treasure. And the Father delights in you. And if I'm not living, if you're not living with that reality, that, that sense of truth and passion and power from the Father's heart, then you believe all kinds of lies people say about you in this world. And there's something about his love that defines and reaffines our lives to all that he has for us. The second thing is that we're invited to live from the preeminence of his presence. What do I mean by that? That God's presence is more powerful than any other spiritual force in this world. God's presence is more powerful. In his presence, let me see if you can join with me on this. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. Okay, so where else are you going to get that? I'm not talking about the experiences of joy. I'm talking about the invitation to live in the fullness of joy. Our God is full of joy. He is the joyous one. He is the joy giver. And he came to this world and the annunciation over his entry into this world was joy to the world. The Lord has come. And yet I look at Christians and we're miserable. Look around you. Well, yeah, the joy of the Lord. And if we're not living in that joy, we will become weak. We will become vulnerable. Because the joy of the Lord, which is experiential and an invitation permanently available to us, makes us strong. Not strong in human strength, but strong in spiritual strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And when do you need that strength to turn up ever present in our time of need? 
And in case nobody told you this this week, you're in your time of need. It's like people say to me, well, pastor, I'm saving up for a rainy day. And I say, well, get your umbrella out because it's raining. It's already raining. I don't know what catastrophe you're waiting for. Don't align yourself to that. But actually, if there is joy available today in his presence, I want to live in the fullness of that joy. The preeminence of his joyous presence should be the atmosphere of my life. Can someone say amen to that? The third thing we came to is this. Not only have we got joy in the preeminence of his presence or the permanence of the Father's love, but we have been given power, power, wonder-working power. Amen. And so I may feel weak, but he is strong. I may feel incapable, but he's able to do immeasurably more than all I could ask or imagine. I may feel that I have blown it or ruined it, but he who began a good work in me has promised me he will complete it. I need to live in the resurrection power of Jesus. And the thing about that resurrection power is this. Today, today, you are, because you are in Christ, already an overcomer. Today, you are the head and not the tail. Come on, I'm going to keep going till you wake up. Today, I'm telling you this, whatever you feel, whatever you think, whatever you're experiencing, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all powers, all dominion and authority. That's who you now are. I mean, you used to be useless, but now you are useful in the kingdom of God. You used to be powerless, but now you are powerful in the kingdom of God. You used to be nothing. Compared to the joys and the treasures that people give to people in this world, you had little. By reputation or even inclination, you were simply a pauper spiritually. But now you have riches untold. You are co-heirs with Christ. You are a royal priesthood. Oh, I just keep going. Someone's going to wake up eventually, Jesus, aren't they? A royal priesthood, a holy people. And here's what you've been set apart. For the glory of God, there is power in your life. Greater is he who is in you than whoever is in this world. Jesus lived in and lived from the Father's love. Week two, we looked at this whole concept of serving and we arrived at this thought that serving is really hard when you have a wrong view of God. And it would be true to say that we've all suffered with this from time to time. We looked at the story of the prodigal son. Two boys in the father's house, enjoying the father's love, experiencing the father's blessing. And yet, both of them had very strange ideas about who the father was. The youngest son believed he couldn't trust the father and took his inheritance up front and ran away and squandered it on wild living. But a time came in his life where he recognized that even the servants in his father's house ate better than he was eating. How many of us have ran from the very thing that we should be running to? How many of us have tried in many ways to prove that we are more capable in ourselves than relying on the Father and trusting Him with our hearts and our lives? And this young man demonstrates to all of us the possibilities for any of us in any given day to move out of the Father's house. We could be sitting in this room talking about Him, even thinking about Him, but our hearts can be far from Him. And then we have the older brother, who is my favorite in the story because he's the one that everyone thinks is great and he's doing all the right things and he's there every week at church and he's tithing and he's serving. And yet when his brother returns, this is what he says to the father, this son of yours. In other words, he's detached himself and disconnected himself from any relational dynamic that existed between these two boys. And he accuses the father of not caring about him. And we recognize, don't we, that we can fall into these traps of thinking that God is withholding and therefore I need to prove my love to him by works and service and surely I deserve to be blessed if that's how I live. And the church, every church I've ever been in is filled with people who think that they have to do that to get God's love and get God's affection. And then there are others who run from it because they either give up on the fact that it's available or they try and find it somewhere else. We can have wrong views of God and we can be sitting in church and listening to sermons and singing worship songs, but what you believe about God is simply the most important thing. And here's where I land on that. God is good. 
My life not, may not be good always. I may not always have all the things I want in the order I want them, but God is good. And start from this place of the goodness of the heart of God. Then I don't have to try and do something to leverage my position in his sight. I can trust that his goodness will begin to manifest itself on me. Some believe they have to be either good or not good enough. They're not good enough for God. Some are trying to serve God by paying him back. And some, oh, this was a biggie last week for some of us. Some of us are trying to get something from him by serving. Now, I know none of you would, but for the benefit of your friend who couldn't make it this morning, listen up. I've been around lots of different cultures over the years, and I've witnessed some dynamics to our heritage. And there would seem to be, to be some credence to say that certain numbers of us have grown up in a particular culture or society where this particular truth has actually led or guided our lives for many, many years. And uh, a gentleman came to me in between the services last week and he said, Pastor, you've just blown my mind because I was taught that I have to serve God. If I want to be blessed, I have to serve God. If I want God to bring increase, I have to serve God. And I said, well, I'm sorry to ruin your life, but that's my job. We have to dismantle every argument that presents itself to us that's contrary to the reality of God. You see, the truth is, if you think you can buy God by your hard work and your service, when you don't get what you think you want, you'll be angry with God. And you'll be so disappointed with God, you will go on this journey of distancing yourself from God. You will find yourself becoming cynical, even hard of heart. God doesn't bless you because you're good. God blesses you because He's good. Amen. And the good news for us today is He's always good. And sometimes you're not that good. So I would shift away from trying to earn God's love or God's affection or God's blessing. And I would trust that He desires to bless. There's a wonderful scripture in the New Testament that says, If you fathers know how to give bread or good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? God is on your side. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be blessed. I remember a few years ago, our daughter Emily is great sermon fodder for me. And she's not in, so I can say whatever I like today. But it will be taken down and used in evidence against me, I'm sure, at some point. But I remember this little pattern started to evolve because she twigged, probably two or three, that if she came near me and batted her baby blue eyes, there was nothing I would withhold from her. You see, as a, as a father, I just wanted to bless her. I just so wanted to bless her. In fact, I think the other word that Jane used was spoil her. I chose the word bless her. So we go out to the shop and regardless of where it was, if she even glanced at something, I would go and get it for her. Has anybody done that? Who wants a parent like that? Who would like to be my, my daughter or my son? <laughs> Emily had no conscious awareness that the generosity that was coming from me had limits. And at one point she used to come and she'd say, Daddy, I love you. I love you, Daddy. Can I have? <laughs> now this happened about three or four times and I thought, I'm like that with God. I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice. Could you get me that job, Jesus? Could you get me that job? <laughs> to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice. I really like that car, Jesus. I really like that car. And, and you wouldn't say it out loud, but you think it. And you wouldn't come to church and declare it, but you live it. And so many of us are working and working and working. And the problem with that is, when we, go, we don't get what we think we deserve, because actually that's where we end up. We think, don't we deserve this? Haven't I tithed for 30 years? Haven't I blessed the church in service for 40 years? Here's the problem with that. The minute you make this about you, it stops being about him. That's the problem with this. Do all things as if doing them unto the Lord. Here's another one. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all the credit and all the accolades that you think you need. They'll come at some point. But actually, let the heartbeat of all that you do to serve him be about loving him 
and worshipping him and giving of yourself to him. Sometimes we end up carrying some things. Some people think God is like a mortgage. We have to keep paying him back. I need to pay him back or can't, can't possibly watch the lions. I need to be a church. What will happen to my salvation? If I'm not a church today I, and I'm torn and I, I want to go and watch the lions and I want to be with my friends, but I need to be a church today. Now, I'm not knocking that because some of you made the right choice because what's happening today is temporal. What's happening amongst us is eternal. It's a good choice. It's a good choice to make. But actually, it's not wrong for you to go and see things or be part of things or enjoy your life. And if you find yourself in that place where you're torn between those two things, you have to ask yourself the question, why am I doing this? Why am I doing this? Do I have a debt to God that I think I'm trying to pay? And now we're coming to today's sermon. We've only just begun. We've got 10 minutes. Do you think we get it all in? No? Okay. Well, thank you for coming. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. <laughs> Serving becomes hard when I have a wrong view of others or myself. And I want to take you to a scripture that I think can help us start that conversation. We won't finish it today. Matthew chapter 6. Turn in your Bibles, please. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Beatitudes are Jesus' manifesto. He's saying, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. This is what I value. This is the kingdom. And in many, many ways for us who are living post that era and that time, we look at the Beatitudes, and if we're not careful, we think of them as virtues, something that we can actually work up or indeed invest in. And I just want to say to you up front, you cannot be everything the Beatitudes ask you to be by human strength or effort. This can only be a work of the Holy Spirit. As you partner and yield and submit to Him, God will make you, make you love Him in these ways. But look at the very first one, Matthew 6, verse 1. Jesus says, as part of his manifesto, be careful. Do you think there's caution necessary? Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You see, if I have a wrong view of other people, or indeed a wrong view of myself, I will end up trying to look spiritual. Has anybody ever been guilty of trying to look spiritual? Some of you hide it very well, but for those who fall into the trap, is there not moments in your life where you try and look spiritual? Yes? I remember one time whenever we invited some uh, guests who were coming to minister in our church to our family home and we said we're going to have dinner together and we sat down with those people and I said Jane would you lead us in in blessing the food and Emily who had never seen us do that with anyone else before <laughs> said is there something wrong with it is there something wrong with it do we have to bless it because there's something wrong with it <laughs> you see sometimes we pretend we're spiritual don't we? We do. We pretend we're spiritual. We pretend that we're better at things or greater in our walk with Jesus than we are. And um, there are all kinds of demonstrations of that um, that we can pick up on. But for me, that little moment with Emily kind of summed up the reality. We never pray. I mean, I'm too hungry to stop to pray. <laughs> Let's just eat the food. Let's just eat the food. Jane, when she first married me, used to try and make me pray. But I, I pray very long prayers. If you know me, they're really long because I want to look really impressed. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to food, it's bless the food, God. Thank you. Amen. There are other things driving the moment. And we should obey our thirsts, even if they're stomach ones. What are you doing today to try and look more impressive than you are? You're a Sunday morning Christian, the song says, singing louder than the rest. You beg forgiveness at the altar with your head down in your chest. But tomorrow will be Monday, 
and you'll go back to your ways. This is a country song, by the way, those of you who know it. Devil kicking, cheating, shoving. With a thought, no thought about no loving. Let no one stand in your way. Well, it doesn't matter because soon again it will be Sunday. We sometimes are trying to be what we're really not. And, and I think God has a problem with that. In fact, look at the consequences of that. And he asks us to be careful about that because I think we're all so in need of feeling significant or valuable. If we're not careful, we end up doing stuff to look impressive to other people. And Jesus says, watch your heart with that. Just guard your heart against that because that actually will destroy something far greater that's on offer. And if you have your reward in heaven, guess what? There won't be one in heaven waiting for you. If you have your reward on earth, sorry, there won't be one in heaven waiting for you. Now, which would you rather that somebody thought you were impressive here or that when you get to heaven, God says these words over you, well done, my good and faithful servant. Come, enter your master's happiness. Now, am I promoting the fact that you shouldn't attempt or make any effort to be spiritual? No, I'm not. But don't pretend to be something you're not. It's really important. And don't think that this environment is the endorsement of your true spiritual identity or authority. And don't fall into the trap of thinking that if I want to be significant, I need to be seen. Some of the most remarkable people I've ever met in my life don't have any platform or position, but the minute they open their mouth, the Spirit of God moves in power through them. And when we get to heaven, you'll be shocked as I am going to be. I know that all the movers and shapers we thought existed on this earth will not be at the front. It'll be those nameless, faceless individuals who prayed and served and loved on Jesus sacrificially without anybody noticing that will be brought into the place of celebration and delight. You know you're going to have rewards when you get to heaven. There are crowns that will be bestowed upon the church. I would rather wait and not pretend here that I'm anything more than I think I am. Or indeed, why do I need to impress you? Who are you that I should be mindful of you? The only person I should be living my life for or indeed with is God himself. And if I love and give and serve out of anything other than just pure delight and gratitude and a desire to, to show him the fullness of my joy in him, then I am going to arrive at this place when somebody doesn't notice me, I'm going to get upset. I'm going to arrive at this place if God doesn't reward me for all my doing, I'm going to become disappointed. And I think some of us have been serving or trying to serve, and we've been carrying this responsibility of trying to look impressive. And you know what's impressive? A man or a woman who just loves honestly Jesus and is clear of their own reality. Let them, Jesus says, inherit the kingdom. One more. If we live like this, we cannot help but arrive at a point where we're competing with others. I've been in enough meetings, you know, the pastor gets up and says, and the Lord loves you and he delights in you, and the prophet gets up and says, but the Lord wants to bring truth to you. Notice he was from a different part of the world. I don't know what part of the world that was. And the evangelist says, you need to get out and serve God in the community. And the teacher says, no, no, get your Bibles out and turn to Leviticus chapter 3. You'll all be miserable by the end of that. Because that's a hard one to swallow. And what you find sometimes is everyone's competing with everyone for a place of significance. And if that happens here, that happens there. If it's happening here, we're setting a tone and a culture that will exist out there. But you know, there is no competition in the kingdom of God. You are who you are by the grace of God. And you have a grace to be you. You don't have a grace to be me. Aren't you grateful? Yes. <laughs> that was a bit quick, love. Thank you. I said, you have a grace to be you. You don't have a grace to be me. I said, are you grateful? Just said, yes. Yes. You've been given an assignment. It's your assignment. And it's not mine. And I don't have to compete with you for significance. The Apostle Paul I love his teaching because he layers all of these truths up. He says this, run the race that's been set before you. 
In other words, be who you are with God, always, wherever you are, whomever is around you. And if you run the race set before you, you will win the prize. And that prize is Christ Jesus and all that he has for you and in store for you. But so many people in the kingdom of God are competing with other people. They're running races that God never asked them to. They're competing for positions that God never invited them to. And they're exhausted. And here's what happens over time. You end up losing hope. You end up not fulfilling what's in your life to fulfill because you've been chasing rainbows. And many of us know that at the end of them, there's never a crock of gold. It's always fool's gold at the end of a rainbow. Live your life for Jesus. Be honest about who you are. Be sincere and authentic in your spirituality. Always seek every day to do what God has set before you and take your eyes off your brother. Don't look to your sister. And they may have very startlingly wonderful gifts, but God will give them a grace to carry what they carry. God has given you a grace to carry what you carry. I think one of the most powerful things that happens when we learn to accept ourselves and accept who God has made us. We become free from all of that competitiveness that sometimes is clearly moving and coming from the brokenness of our own lives. I stood many, many years ago and um, just had so many questions, as I always do with God. I'm very inquisitive, and I wanted to have a, a clearer understanding of what my calling was here on this earth and um, I went through the list as you do am I an apostle am I a prophet God am I an evangelist and there were some evidences in my life to say that maybe some of those things were things God used me in I'm a pastor I think if I'm more honest with you I'm probably more of a pastor than anything else I've just grown in different ways over the years um, certainly have a heart for reaching out beyond the church to those who don't know Jesus that's been consistent in my life and um, God just blew me away because this is what he said he said you have one thing I ask you to do and the apostle Paul uses that phrase this one thing I do in other words he has a clarity about what this life is about with Jesus and how he's meant to live and interact with this and this is what God said to me here's what I have assigned to you I want you to be a host for my presence here on earth and you see, when I got that from the Holy Spirit, I realized that some of these other things that I was trying to be or chase, it was all well-meaning, clearly misguided, actually freed me, it liberated me. And my responsibility, I think now, is very clear to me. I don't, it doesn't matter where I am, whether I'm in the church, outside the church, or on a platform, or talking to someone. My calling in God is to, to sense His presence and to court His presence and to allow His presence to touch and to affect other people's lives. And I will tell you that it's so simple and it doesn't look glamorous, but it's really effective. When you are who you are by the grace of God, you're not looking over your shoulder at who's running quicker because the race is not to the strong or to the swift. You're looking to the Jesus that stands before you and beckons you to come. That's why the Apostle Paul says this, fix your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and the perfecter of your faith. I think sometimes we get burdened and, and troubled because we have a wrong view of ourselves or indeed others. And uh, God has a plan and a place and his presence is afforded to you and his grace is sufficient for you. Wherever you find yourself, make sure you find him and be found by him. And then the greater sense of ease, it's easy for me now, to be anywhere and just sense the presence of God. You know, I've, I, story after story, places where you think God wouldn't be, and suddenly I find myself calling on his name, Lord Jesus, I know you're here. And he comes, and I sense his presence. And you would be surprised at how beautiful those things turn out because when God is where he wants to be with us, in the journey he's called us to, in the lane he's asked us to race in, there's an ease to that. It shouldn't be clumsy or difficult or heavy. It should be light. It should be easy. And Jesus promised that if we live with that simplicity, if we live with that clarity, then we will experience his fullness and that reality will be our reality. So the lionesses are waiting on you. Yes, not personally, okay, just in case you think you're going to go to Australia. 
But I want to just pray a blessing on that. Father, stand with me. Would you please, church? Thank you. I want to apologize to you, Jesus, for the times when I tried or thought I needed to compete with anyone else to have value or worth in your kingdom. I want to apologize for the times when I pretended to be something that I'm not, when I wanted to look spiritual. And it's true, Lord, your word always is true, but it's real that the reward was other people thought I was impressive, but heaven didn't. I want to thank you, Lord God, for the truth that you offer us today to set us free from what often is a strife in our lives. We're striving with each other and contending against each other. And yet, Lord God, we are brothers and sisters. You have brought us as a family together. And whoever we are, whatever part we play, all of it is valuable. All of it is significant. I don't have to pretend or even protest that I want to be or should be something. I am who I am by the grace of God. And I thank you, Lord, there's a calling on all our lives and an invitation to live in the reality of that fullness. And I thank you, Jesus, that as we stay in the lane that you've placed us in, the burden will be light, the yoke will be easy, and we'll live a life free from competitiveness and strife, resentment and anger and jealousy and all those other things that come whenever people turn against other people. And the test of my heart is always, Lord, when I see someone I don't think perhaps really deserves your blessing, but you're blessing them. And I look at them and I feel blessed by that blessing. Then I know, God, my soul is okay and you are about to bless me. Father, we see all these things around us. God, you're doing great things in other people's lives. We can fall into the trap of thinking you've forgotten us or overlooked us. Lord, that's a lie from the pit of hell. And I just renounce it over every heart and every life here. You will never leave. You will never forsake. And the plans you have are yes and amen. And all our days are already planned out, and we don't need to fret about that, Lord. You will finish what you have started. And so I am free to bless where you're blessing. I'm free not to be insecure when you're raising someone up. I'm free, Lord God, to see your hand on somebody else's life and not feel that maybe I lack something, Lord. For you are with me, you are for me. And that is true for all of us in this room. And he who is in me, that's where my heart should be, Lord. Focus in on the reality of your presence. Lord, I ask your blessing on all our hearts and lives and give us that easy yoke that you promise and set us free from some of our misguided thinking regarding ourselves and others or even trying to earn your love by any kind of activity. The great news of all, Lord, is that you are the servant amongst us. You came to wash our feet. You came to serve your people, Lord. And as we come to that next week, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, we will be completely overwhelmed by that invitation because that really will take a lot of courage and humility for us to accept. Now bless us, Lord, as we go into our day, I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful week.